great to uh, great to land the the, pre the plane here in our final session. Um, there's obviously there there's so much more to this than we can cover in in a weekend like this. Um, and I have if so if if you are somebody who you're, you're you're walking away from this weekend and you go this was great I think I got pretty much everything I need to get started and I'm I'm ready to rock. Thank you, James. That was wonderful. Um, that's awesome. Took great notes. I'm sure it's being recorded. You can probably go back over it if you want, um, and, and that, that might do it. If you're thinking, wow, James, you, you, just kind of, you just kind of like touch the surface here. What more can I do? What, more, you know, where, what are the resources available to me? Um, you can, um, if you would like, you can email me, or yeah, probably that's the easiest way, just to email me and I will reply with a reading, a reading list, uh, things that I've worked through that have helped me. Um, and if you have any other special requests for maybe parts of this that were important to you that you want to draw upon, then we can, um, I, can, I can give you more, give you more to chew on, more to work with. Uh, because there is far more than, like I said, we can cover, cover today. So I thought being the, the afternoon session, where we'll We'll kind of try to, to, to land the plane with like some, like we'll try to gently land it, um, not, not crash land it. <laughs> uh, and, and, I, and I, so the way we're going to do that is, um, how many of you guys in here are, uh, are interact with the Bible Project guys? You guys, a lot of you? Good. Awesome. Um, so this, this, actually, this lesson that I'm going to be sharing with you in many regards, it's taken from them. Uh, it's inspired by them. Um, and uh, it's because, I, and I think one of the things that sometimes when we get into talking theoretically about a lot of this stuff, we, we, we need to think like practically, well, how, how am I going to practice this? And maybe one, one or two or three of these tools that I laid out for you, they seem really attractive to you, like, ooh, I know I really need that. But what I would say is maybe ask a few more questions of yourself Maybe think more about it. Maybe you seek advice from, from leadership, or you can ask me about it via email. Because a lot of times, if you're, if you're like me and you're an introvert, I just thought the best thing in the world were all the disciplines of detachment. <laughs> like, like, dude, this is what it's all about. Like, I don't even know what you're, what else, what are the, there's nothing else. You know, like, and, and, I, and I remember as a young Christian, and I didn't really even know what I was back then, but I used to, my favorite part of being a Christian was quiet times. Like, quiet times, that's the best. Why? Because everybody has to be quiet. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. And, you know, and then, oh, then we go back to talking. Like, okay, here we go. Um, but but the, the, part, the thing is, we're usually, we're naturally drawn to the things that we, we like. There's nothing wrong with that. You might learn some great things about yourself by engaging more deeply in those detachment practices, depending on your personality. But there's probably some of the, the, the disciplines of engagement, if you're like me, that you need to really think through implementing your life because they're going to help train you in certain aspects of your character spiritually, maybe more so than some of these because a lot of these typically will come more natural to you. Does that make sense? So engage in both of them. But think, you got to think more critically about how you're going to engage with them based on what you need, based on where you're at spiritually and based on what, you, the, what you're needing in your life spiritually. So hopefully that caveat 
makes sense. But so what we're going to we're going to land the plane on the subject of the public reading of scripture. Um, and and so in the public reading of scripture, uh, and I th- I think um, if we were to consider, I was talking with Joel about this, um, and he was actually bringing up this is a practice you're trying to engage in uh, in your community, and I was like, awesome, that's so cool. It's one of those things that it's it's actually profoundly simple. Um, what do you do? How do you do this? And the Lord said, I mean, we read the Bible, you know, it's not, it's not that complicated. And that, so, but at the same time, sometimes we get caught up in our activities and the way we go about doing things. And we, we forget these simple practices that the Bible encourages. They, they are there for a reason. You know, they're, they're required of the communities of Christ for a reason. You know, and preaching we get, right, because we're constantly hearing preaching, and we kind of get the whole teaching thing. But, but what about this idea of the public recitation of Scripture? You know, the first mention in Scripture of writing the Bible is right after Israel defeats the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. It says there, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. See, the story... Uh, written down and later recited, served to remind the Israelites of the faithfulness of God that rescued them again and again. And if you, if you really think about the Exodus story and what, being, what, what Moses is getting ready to put down pen to paper, you're talking about fundamentally the central story of the Bible. You know, it's something you might not think about when you're reading the Old Testament. You read Genesis, you read Exodus, you read Leviticus, you read Numbers, you read usually you skip Leviticus. Usually you skip like Exodus 20 to all the way to the beginning of Deuteronomy because it's like, what is all this stuff? Um, you know, but this, this story centers on the story of the Exodus. That, that's really the centerpiece of the entire Torah. All, those, all those, those four books of the five in the beginning of the Bible are, are all about the, the, the salvation of God's people and their deliverance to the border of the promised land. And that's been a theme and a, and a promise that's continued to expand and, and grow for Christians even to this day. We still talk about our exodus. We still talk about being set free by God. And you'll see that language all throughout the New Testament as well. But this story was written down so that they would be reminded of that rescue. And it would remind us of that rescue. And so uh, the encouragement to retain the story was, was really important. The first time we see Israel gathered as a group to meet before God and hear a divine word is in Exodus chapter 19 through 24 at the foot of Mount Sinai. Israel had just experienced their salvation, their liberation from slavery. And now they're standing together at the foot of Mount Sinai where God will appear in person and invite them into a covenant relationship. In Exodus chapter uh, 24, after the, the laying out of what this covenant was going to look like, guess what everybody did? They said, okay. They all said yes, right? They all agreed to the covenant. Kind of like, like when we become a Christian, we, we get baptized, we're saying yes to the covenant. And they did that here. And it was at the, the, the recitation of God's provision for them in this new community. So it's in the hearing of their covenant relationship with God that their identity is established. Think about who Israel is coming out of slavery. 
Imagine being in an, another state, another country, an, a, fo a foreign country, for your entire life and for your parents' entire life and for your grandparents' entire life and for your great-grandparents' entire life. But you know you are not from this place. You're a foreigner, even though you grew up in this place, right? And we see that. We see multi-generational people from, like in Chicago, we literally have neighborhoods in Chicago where, where people, immigrant populations come to Chicago, and they might grow up in that one neighborhood their whole life, and some of them might not ever speak another language than the one that was handed down to them by their families. That happens. That's like real. It's a pretty normal kind of ha thing that happens in these very uh, kind of segregated communities within Chicago, especially in immigrant populations. So maybe you might imagine that that in some loose way would apply to the people of Israel in Egypt. Because their slavery was not the kind of slavery we think about when we think about slavery in America. It was a different, it was a different kind of slavery. They had some liberties. They had some, uh, some exercise of freedom and autonomy to, to do certain things, right? So, so it was a different kind of life, but they were completely indentured and, and under, the, under the, really, the oppression of, of, the, uh, of the Egyptians. Now, why, why am I saying all this? Because they had to, in a lot of ways, the, the, the recitation of their story was the remaking of their identity. And they told the story to one another over and over again. And they did it for generation after generation after generation. And that telling of that story was a part of the formation of their community. And at the heart of the public reading of Scripture, that's the, that's the kind of like the bottom line of what we're doing when we open to Scripture, we read the gospel stories in public, what we're trying to do is engage in and inherit and participate, even in the story that's being told all the way back to Exodus, all the way up to today. We're continuing the tradition of this, this recitation of the scriptures. And this is how they're, they're formed. This is a part of their formation. Um, yeah, I mean, think about some stories that you know really well. Who here loves the movie Elf? <laughs> and who doesn't love Elf? Boo! Wow. Boo! <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I guess I guess I guess they're out, right? Uh, but uh, you know, I, f I find it interesting that a story like this one, well known by our culture, is so well known. Can you imagine if somebody started trying to? They were talking about, hey man, I can't wait to Christmas season. I can't wait to watch Elf. Remember that scene in Elf when, you know? Buddies on an airplane flying to California. You remember that? No. That's not a part of the story. You don't, you don't know Elf, right? You don't know what you're talking about. This, in a, in a, and I'm very much simplifying this experience, but this is, this is why we, we, ha we know that the Bible has retained the stories that were handed down from generation to generation, and we can trust them. Because if anybody tried to insert a story, a false story, or some sort of 
errant story that wasn't a part of their tradition, they would have been like, that's not the story. What are you talking about? Because everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. At any point, anyone could jump in and fill in the story and talk about the story. And, and in essence, that's what we're shooting for, that kind of experience is what we're shooting for when we publicly read scripture. And this is what we see in the tradition uh, that was handed down through the uh, Exodus. The reciting of scripture was also a part of the regular education of uh, the, uh, Israel's uh, education. Uh, let's go ahead and turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5. And then if I could get somebody to read that for me, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 14, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Please read. Thank you. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it, it was like it was, I pointed at both of you. So you got it. Sorry. Four, five, two, fourteen. Yes, thank you. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear all about these decrees and say, Surely this is a great nation. Oh, sorry. Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their God near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of God that is praying before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, where he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words, so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land, and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while it blazed with fire to the very heavens, with black clouds and thick darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sounds of words, but saw no form, and there was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on the stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and the laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing into the Jordan to possess. Amen. Thank you. So we see here in in this uh, episode in in, uh, Deuteronomy, Moses is reciting the the story he's retelling the story in short form and one of the things that was commanded by god was that this entire story would be recited every seven years remember the the uh, the jew on the on the on the bike with the booth well guess what happened every seven years at the festival of booths they would get out the torah and they would read the torah just read it. In the beginning, how long do you think this class might go? <laughs> it, might, it might take a weekend to read the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible, together. 
I think it would be cool. I think it would be really cool to have a, have, have a Torah weekend and just read together. Maybe we can have people read in shifts um, and, and, and just hear the story of God and hear the story of God's people. Uh, Genesis, it's a really cool book, but fundamentally what Genesis is, it's like the prequel to the story. It's the preparation for the story of the, the liberation of, of God's people in Exodus. And so I, I th- this is kind of an example. This is what they did. Can you imagine if every seven years of your life, you got together with your entire community and you read through the entire story of the Torah with each other, what, what, what that formationally would do to your community? I, I think it would be something, it's hard to even understand what that would do if, let's say, I've been in this community for 20, I've been here for 26 years. So that means at least three times in my life I would have gotten together with, and then from this point forward, how many other times I would have gotten together. And if I was a child growing up in this church, from the time if I was 1 to 7 to 14 to 21 to, you see what I'm saying? And we just kept telling the story over and over and over again. And, you know, some of those kids might be playing with toys in the back, and they might be, you know, uh, they might be eating goldfish, um, you know, while the story is going on. But, but that's okay. That's okay. Maybe, maybe we can just make sure they're like unleavened goldfish or something, um, <laughs> you know. But we, 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 we have a deep, a deep appreciation for an understanding of this public teaching because it's, it's actually not teaching. It's, it's, it's actually something that what, if, the, if the head got cut off, then, then let's say Joel gets sick and he, he loses his vocal cords or he's laid up in bed and he can't, oh, seven years comes around and Joel's not here to read for us. Well, somebody else can read and somebody else can read and anybody can read. Anybody who has capabilities of reading can step up and fill in that spot. So the story is going to be retained in this community no matter, no matter what. And that's the, the beauty and the wonder of this being an essential part of the education of the, uh, the Israelites. After Israel enters into the promised land uh, in Joshua, um, okay, we'll get to that in a second. But in, in Joshua chapter 8, verse 34, uh, Joshua reads all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. The book of Judges describes how the entire generation that followed the death of Joshua forgot what God had done for them. Centuries later in 2 Kings, Josiah rediscovers the scriptures and calls together a public reading once again trying to restore the practices and the remembrance of the story. What happens to Israel when they forget their story? What happens? Bad stuff. Bad stuff happens to them when they forget their story. And I believe the same thing happens to us when, we don't have, when we're not understanding the story of God. And, and I would include in that a thoroughgoing understanding of the Torah, a thoroughgoing understanding of what happened in the Torah and why that matters to us today, along with the New Testament documents, especially the Gospels. And and I would say if we're going to zero in on reading anything publicly, probably a place to start would be the Torah and the Gospels. 
so that we can retain those vital stories that are the life-giving stories that keep our, uh, our remembrance before us so that that bad stuff that happened to Israel, we can try to avoid it. Amen? So in both these cases, in, in Joshua and Judges, um, and, and also in Kings with, with uh, Josiah, uh, in all these cases, uh, there's an identity formation that's behind it. Joshua is trying to reestablish the identity that was lost, and so is, or to retain the identity, and Josiah is trying to recall the identity that was lost to recover them from the trouble that they were in. So um, anyway, a lot can be said about this, and I think what I'd like to do now is I want to show you a video, and this is the fun part. This is the fun part, videos, right? Um, so this, this actually is a video by the Bible Project, guys, and, and in about three minutes, they're going to explain everything I tried to say in 40, uh, and that's why, that's why they're brilliant. So uh, let's, uh, let's watch what they have to say about this. I was reading the Bible, which, you know, is kind of hard to do, but I came across this verse that says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Yeah, this is in Paul's letter to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he's telling him about ways that he can keep his church community engaged with Scripture. Okay, so preaching the Bible I get, teaching from the Bible I get that too, but what about this reading Scripture together thing? Is that something I'm supposed to care about? Why did Paul think it was so important? Oh man, for Paul, this was a really significant practice for the people of God. Think all the way back to Mount Sinai, where the Israelites were just rescued from Egypt. They're no longer slaves, and they need a new identity, a new story to live by. And so Moses, he gathers the people together, and he reads the scriptures aloud. He reminds them of where they came from, who they are, and the new future that they're called to live for. This was the first public reading of scripture in the Bible. Yeah, and it didn't stop there. When the people finally got into the land, they did it again. Joshua pulled the people together, and they all listened to the scriptures read aloud so they could remember where they came from and how they could keep living as a part of this new story. So this is something they did all the time then? Well, actually, no. After Joshua died, we don't have any more stories of the people coming together to hear God's word. Instead, the people forgot their story, and a whole generation arose that didn't know their God or what God had done for them. But then, centuries later, a king named Josiah rediscovered the scriptures, and he was so excited that he called Israel to begin this practice once again. It sparked a renewal movement. That is, until the people forgot once more, and they ended up in exile. And so this is why, when Ezra and Nehemiah came back from the exile, they needed to remind the people who they are and how they are to live. So this is a powerful practice. Yeah, in fact, reading scripture together became a core part of Jewish life. It was done every week as they gathered in synagogue. Jesus himself participated in this practice. He even launched his mission during the weekly reading of the scriptures. He read from the scroll of Isaiah, and then he told everyone these words were about him. And that brings us all the way back to the early church where Paul told Timothy to keep this practice going to immerse the whole community in the story of the scriptures. Okay, but here's the thing. Most people back then didn't know how to read, so they had to do it publicly. But I could read the Bible by myself. Yeah, and you should totally do that. But don't underestimate the power of this ancient practice. Reading the Bible by yourself can be hard. It can be easy to get distracted. But something happens when you hear God's word read aloud and when you're with other people. And besides, it's really easy. You don't need anyone to preach or teach. You just need to listen to the scriptures and then talk about what you've heard. 
This is what God's people have always done when they enter into new and uncertain times. They remember their story and who they are through the public reading of the scriptures. Oh, I'm so jealous of those guys. They're so good. Sick. Um, but so think about, think about what story they were, what, what, what scripture were, were Paul and the apostles reading? Well, they, they, weren't, they weren't reading the New Testament. Probably what they were doing was publicly reading the Torah. They were probably publicly reciting the stories of Genesis, Exodus, retelling the stories of the importance and centrality of the tabernacle during the time of the, the exodus and what place that played and the centrality of, of the location of the tabernacle and that being the place where the presence of God was able to dwell in the midst of the tribes of Israel. And they were, they were recalling their ancient traditions. And so I think, again, these guys, they, they did, did a masterful job of kind of summing it up in a very, very powerful way. You know, as the author of life, Jesus has included all of us into his grand narrative. Public reading of scripture allows us to understand our place in, in the community. It also wields power to challenge whatever pre-existing stories we have about God. You know, sometimes we get quirky, weird ideas about the Bible locked into our head from something we heard, some movie we watched, some other story that was told about the Bible, some, some other way, some idea gets lodged in there. The, the recitation of the stories as they are written in the, in the, in the Bible can dislodge some of those uh, false ideas and recover us from that story of Buddy on the plane to California. You know, and bring us back to, wait, hold on, Buddy was never on a plane to California. He, was, he did this. He, was never, I don't, he wasn't on a plane. He flew in a sleigh, right? Uh, but not a plane. Uh, so it's, it's a way for us to course correct and adjust and, and agree upon and understand as a community uh, the work of God in our presence. Now, what, what about, I think that the, the thing I love about this too, in concluding here, is what I love about the way that, that they, they do this video is they help you to understand how simple this practice is. How, how it's something that really it doesn't, it takes two or three of us agreeing we're going to read the Bible together. And we get together, we grab a cup of coffee, we, we, can, we, even, we can put the audio Bible on so none of us even have to read if we don't want to, and we can all listen to the Bible together. Or we can go old school and get the paper Bible out and we can, we can read it together. And, and sit back and listen to what God is, is doing through the scriptures and then chat about it. What did you hear? What did you think? Wow, this is really cool. You know, and I, 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 know I would say, let's spend more time reading than talking. Yep. Preach. Let's spend more time reading than talking. Let's react to the text, but let's not let our, our dialogue dominate the, the day because that's something that we're really good at. We're really good talkers. You know, I remember when I when I, uh, I I can't remember the situation, but we were studying the Bible with this young guy on campus, and his mom came out to the baptism. She was really excited and she loved it, and everybody was sharing. You know how we all share it at, at baptisms, and this 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 mom goes, she looked she looked around, she goes, man, everybody in here they're such good talkers. She just everybody knows how to say the right things, and she was just so impressed at what good talkers we were. Um, and, and so 
Amen. We need to thank God for the gift of verbal skills. Amen. Um, it, it, that's a wonderful thing. But, but actively listening to the, the scriptures is also important without thinking about what we're going to say. You know, because we can get caught up in thinking, how am I going to respond to that? What am I going to say about this? How am I going to, with, with just without just letting ourselves sit back and lean back in our seat and listen. Just listen and hear what God has to say to us. So as we, as we think about, maybe as we think about a question, uh, question and answer time for anything we've talked about at this point or anything else that we have in mind about the tools that I laid out for spiritual disciplines, some things to consider when we're reading. Um, there's, there's some age-old questions that were asked while people were trying to grapple with the great questions of life. Questions like, where, where are we? Who are we? What's wrong? What's the solution? You know, there, there are big questions people are asking when they engage in a thoughtful life. And these are, these are some of the very basic questions that are the beginning of, of human philosophy. Um, and they're the kind of questions that are rumbling around in our heads all of the time. And as we engage the text, I want for us to think that the stories are actually in narrative form oftentimes capturing the answers to those, those big questions that we have. And if we retain the story, we're also retaining that, that vital information for how our life is supposed to function. Um, and it's in story form for a reason. The majority of the Bible is written as a narrative. Anybody know why? Do we remember stories, right? You're going to probably remember most of the stories I, to I told today and forget like 90% of what I taught. That's just the way, that's the way we're wired. That's why preachers tell stories because we don't just retain direct input. We, we tend to retain stories. And, and that's, you know, if we retain the story of God, we're going to have, those things are going to naturally become an overflow of our activities, our life, our thoughts, our, our, and at every dimension of our character. So, amen. Well, let's go ahead and open it up now for a time of question, answer, response about anything we've presented in these last two sessions. Yes.